My name's Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors here, and this is the part of our worship service where we open up God's Word and we allow His Word to speak into our lives, and hopefully we will see a continuing transformation throughout our lives. It was wonderful just a minute ago, to or a few minutes ago, to see Faraday as she gave her life to Christ and to be baptized, and she's a brand new Christian, but she doesn't have all the answers yet. Even as a pastor for so many years in my life right now, I don't have all of the answers yet. A disciple or a follower of Christ is a lifelong commitment to continue learning, to always be growing and to to grow in our faith and for God to prove to us over and over every day that He is Lord and He is worthy of our praise. Even in the midst of trials and suffering, He is always worthy. Amen? God is good, and I I don't know why you're here today, but I know who's responsible for you being here. There is a sovereign God who is in control of this world, and for some reason there's this balance of what we choose and what he allows and what he brings about. But it's no accident that you're here tonight, and I hope that the big idea tonight that we are baptized into death and resurrected into new life has a profound and powerful impact in your life tonight. Larry mentioned earlier that Lent starts on Wednesday, so we're starting an eight-week series on the resurrection. And unfortunately, the resurrection seems to, have lost, seems to have lost its luster for a lot of us. We think, really, eight weeks? You're going to talk about how there was a, an empty tomb and now he's resurrected? How can you stretch that out to eight weeks? Seriously, we could talk about this every Sunday from now until Jesus comes back. And it shouldn't get old if we truly understand it. It It's an amazing thing that God has done for us through Christ. But unfortunately, this resurrection no longer inspires us, or many of us. Many times it doesn't even encourage us. And unfortunately, it also doesn't always lead us to magnify Christ and to glorify Him for who He truly is. Also, the resurrection for many people does very little in regards to our life right now. I mean, sure, we get the fact that, yeah, we we place our faith in Christ and one day we'll go to heaven and we'll be with him forever and we'll get to see family and friends and it'll be wonderful, but that's then. What about now? The scriptures teach us clearly that we have a powerful promise from God right now. It's not just heaven. In fact, we see very little of Jesus talking about us going to be to heaven. But what we do see in the Lord's Prayer specifically, and in other instances, we see a God who teaches us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The men's group are going through a book right now, a study, and it's, talking powerfully about how God has created heaven and he's created earth and he's created them to work together. We're not going to fly off one day and play harps on a cloud. That would be boring. God has a wonderful plan and the resurrection is where heaven and earth collided, namely in Jesus Christ. The resurrection baptized into death, resurrected 
to new life. So what does it mean for us right now? Let's look in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. And we're picking up almost halfway into this letter, so we have to be careful to jump in and just rip things for our own benefit. He wrote a specific letter to specific people at a specific time for specific reasons. So we have to do due diligence in order to understand the power of what he's saying. And so he's, he's explained the gospel to them. In chapter 5, he was talking about the freedom that we have in, in the gospel. And evidently, there were people who were saying, Hey, Paul, this free grace stuff that you're talking about, you, you can't tell people that. Because they're just going to go off and do whatever the heck they want to do. You can't tell them that kind of stuff. It, it won't work. And so evidently, this is what is happening because he addresses their objection. So look with me in chapter 6, verse 1 of Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Certainly not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his what? Death. That's where we get the big idea, baptized into death. All of us baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into, there's that word again, death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, I see resurrection right there, don't you? Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly... I like how it says shall certainly right here. It's like he really wants you to get this point. He doesn't say we shall. He says we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. What does this mean? Well, it appears that the Apostle Paul dealt with some objections regarding this grace that he was preaching. And people were saying, Paul, if you say that where sin increased, grace abounded, then people are going to go out and just sin it up. So God will get more glory. That's what you're saying, that no matter how much they do, His grace will abound? Yes. That's what the gospel is. But if we get the gospel, we won't do that. So he uses this objection that they have to teach what God has already done through Christ. They're saying, you can't tell people that. But Paul uses it to show them what Christ has done. Romans parallels in chapter 6, 7, and 8, it parallels a story that we might be familiar with in Exodus, where God took Israel out of captivity. They were enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. And he took them out. And how did he take them out? Through what? The Red Sea. And there's scriptures that refer to that being they were baptized. They, they were baptized out of there. They passed from slavery in Egypt, and they were baptized through the Red Sea, and then they had this brand new life in the wilderness. Because, but where were they going originally? The promised land. God had given them a promised land, and they were heading that way. In chapter 6 of Romans, we see how God is delivering another exodus, if you will. 
He's delivering people by baptism again. Except this time it's not from Egypt, but it's still from a life of slavery, a slavery to sin. And he's writing to these Christians that were waiting for this Messiah to come. And this Messiah who was going to come was going to bring another exodus. They were going to, he was going to free God's people from oppression, defeat the, royal, the Roman Empire, and they were going to be saved. But God was saying to them, this exodus that Jesus is doing is going to be bigger than just Israel as you know it. This is going to be something that's going to heal and bring freedom and liberty to the entire world. The question that he brings up here is that, or that is brought up to him, is Paul, what are people going to do if they hear, it doesn't matter what you do, God will cover your sin? How does he answer them? He says this. He says, guys, in becoming a Christian, you move from one type of humanity to another. You should never think of yourself in the old way again. In becoming a Christian, you die to your old self. You die with Christ. And you are raised with the Messiah. And dear Christian, since Jesus is the representative for you. Whatever has happened to him is promised also for you. And he speaks specifically about baptism in here. And he teaches that this baptism is is a practical and the physical beginning for the Christian life. And for all those who have died with him and been raised with him. And he's talking about a specific baptism here too. Jesus was baptized and he was questioned about, was this the baptism of John or what kind of baptism was this? Well, Jesus was questioned by James and John. Let's look in uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 39. James and John, a couple disciples, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. It's kind of bold to go ask the Son of God. (laughs) Hey, God, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one on your left, in your glory. And then Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, this cup that I drink, James and John, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But he goes on to tell them in the next verse, but as to who's going to sit on the right and left, that's not for me to determine. But he's speaking of baptism, and this baptism that he's talking about here is the baptism of death, that dying in Christ, dying with Christ. But then there's this resurrection to life. And when we think about someone who's died, we've probably know stories. I can think of a neighbor, a friend of ours, 
who was legally pronounced dead and was brought back to life. And we think, well, that's not that big a deal to be resurrected. Maybe he was resurrected. No, 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 no. Jesus was dead and he was buried. And so once you're buried, you're not, you're not coming back. And so when you are died, you have died with Christ, your old self is gone. Your old self, old self, is no more. I'm slowing down so you can get that because that's going to be important in just a minute. I want you to understand, Christian, when you die with Christ, that old self is gone. Once we become a Christian, it is very possible for us to say, you know what, I'm just going to neglect this new life and my responsibilities that come with it and the love and the adoration that I have for God and I'm just going to do my own thing and live my own way. It's possible to do that. But there's one thing you can't do. You can't become unbaptized. You can't go back and change that. The old self has died and now we live a new life in Jesus. New promises have been made. We can break our promises, but those promises can't be unmade. Paul wants us to understand something. And he wants us to understand it very clearly. He wants us to understand who you are now, who we are now in the Messiah. And he wants us to not consider to even go back to the life of slavery to sin. It would be foolish for the Israelites to want to go back into Egypt after God had miraculously delivered them, but we still see in the scriptures where they talked about wanting to do that. You've let us out here to die. We might as well just go back and go back to the life of slavery. You will face that in your Christian walk. You know what? You'll just say, you know, this is not what I signed up for. This is hard. I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to do things the right way, but it just seems so hard. I'm tired of it. I just want to go with the flow. It was much easier. If you're the Matrix fan, you wish you would have taken the blue pill instead of the red one. I took the wrong one. I wish I could go back. I know too much now. But we can't do that. We can't go back. Remember. Remember who you are. So let's find out who we are in verse 6 and following. Chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to, what's that word? Nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died, okay? So a person who has died, okay? A person who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. If, if someone has already died, they were committing a crime, they were robbing a bank, and they kill the guy as he's leaving the bank, do they still put the corpse in jail? That's dumb, right? He's dead. So when you're dead, you are freed from that debt of sin. Okay, let's keep going. Now, if we, have been, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, verse 9, 
we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Hallelujah. Death has been defeated. For the death He died, He died to sin. Once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you, and this talk, He's talking to us today too. This is for us today. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Have you ever known anyone who suffered from forgetting who they were? Maybe Alzheimer's disease. I had a grandmother who really struggled with that and for the last few years of her life, it was difficult. It was frustrating for her. It was frustrating for those who really knew her because they couldn't connect with her the way they used to. You know, steps can be taken a lot of times to help people remember who they are. There can be progress. And Paul is taking steps with the Romans. And he's telling them, you need to remember who you are. You've forgotten, or maybe you don't even know who you are yet. And he's saying, we need, you need to know who you are in the Messiah. I think most of us would agree that as a Christian, we still make mistakes. We still commit sins in our life. Frustration and, well, just name something. We make mistakes and we still sin in our life. But after sinning, have you ever heard someone say or have you ever said yourself, you know, that was the old me coming out. That was, that was old. I mean, I've said that before. Yeah, that was the old Daniel. He, he pops up every once in a while. Uh, there's a, one problem with that. It's not true because it's impossible. Why is it impossible for the old self to pop back up? That's right. Because the old self has been crucified. The old self is dead. It's been brought to nothing. It's no longer here. Somebody say amen. That's good news. We're about to learn some stuff tonight. It's not true. It's not possible. The old self is crucified. That death has released us from enslavement to sin. We are released. The debt has been paid. Death has already happened, so you are no longer a slave to the cruel master of sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. Remember, you're not going to put a corpse in jail. You've been set free. The debt has been paid. Sin no longer has a claim over you. You are free of all charges, Sean. So where are we then? Because we still haven't answered the question. What about when I'm struggling with sin? I mean, how do I explain what's happening? Paul says that we are in the Messiah. So what is true of the Messiah is true for us. If we have died to self and we are in Him, what is true for Him is true for us, no matter how unlikely it sounds or how little we feel it. We have to stop trusting our feelings. I don't feel very holy at this moment. I don't care. Your feelings are lying to you. If you have died with yourself, died to yourself, you are died with Christ, you are united united with Him in death, you have become righteous. You are a child of God. You are no longer a slave to sin. There is a new life that you have been raised to miraculously. 
but I still struggle with things. Well, I, we'll get to that in just a minute. Come on, be patient. Now, of course, the bodily resurrection that we're talking about ultimately hasn't happened yet, right? When Christ returns and heaven and earth collide and he heals everything and everything's renewed and we are in the full presence of God, it will be a wonderful, glorious promise revealed to us. But we've been given new life right now. It's not just a future promise that we have. And death has no rule over this life right now. Death has been defeated. Say that with me. Death has been defeated. A Christian has no fear in death. You have no reason to fear death because we have already died in Christ. We've already experienced that. And now we are raised to walk in newness with Him. Things have changed for us. We are no longer who we were. We are no longer a slave to sin as Israel was a slave to Egypt. We can't go back to that. We can't go back to that because that has already died. But I don't feel it. I know you don't feel it. And there's a reason you don't feel it all the time. And we're going to talk about it in just a second. Right now, verse 11. Let me pull that up. Chapter 6, verse 11, he says, So you, after all this I've said to you, uh, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ, alive to God in Christ Jesus. This verse, we'll keep it up, is often misunderstood, and the word consider in this translation is also used, it can be translated to calculate, to reckon something. And so I want us to understand what he's saying. When you calculate something, in a sense, what you're doing is you're getting a number which didn't exist before. Okay? You calculate a profit and loss sheet. You want to figure out how much money you made or how much you lost. And so you calculate. So this brand new number pops up out of nowhere, right? But in one sense, it's, it's brand new. But in the other sense, it's not new. The only thing that's happened is you've only become aware of what it was. In this calculation, if I were to have a, a jar of coins right here, and I count all of that money, my counting it and understanding that there are 37, there's $37.42 in this jar did not change how much money was in that jar. What changed was that I became aware of how much money was in that jar. And so Paul is saying, you must consider yourselves. You must calculate this. You must understand. You must reckon this. You must be aware that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are walking in ignorance so much in our life. And that's not an insult. That's just, we're not aware. And we need to get some calculators out. We need to get into God's word and see, who, who are we? And we need to find out, oh my goodness, I don't have to answer to this slave master of sin anymore because I have been raised new in Christ. I'm not old Daniel. And when old Daniel pops up, or I think old Daniel pops up, I need to tell him to get out of here. Because he doesn't exist. It's like being afraid of the boogeyman in your closet. He's not there. Paul is saying the same thing to us as the, the calculating thing is. When you, when you add things up, 
this is who you are in the Messiah, and it's often very hard for us to believe. I get that. I think most of us get that. We don't always feel like we are alive to God in Christ. Sometimes we just feel defeated. But if we'll open our eyes to the reality of our new standing, if we will open our eyes and see that we have been baptized and we are a believing member of Jesus' people, that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ, and once we know who we really are, then we can start to act like we are accordingly. Our actions will change because we are now aware of who we are. Maybe this closing illustration will drive it home. Most of us have at one point or another rented an apartment or a house and lived in that, so we have a landlord that we answer to. Imagine that you were living in an apartment and this landlord was a bully. He just dominated you. He would come over and he would yell at you and he would demand more money and he would raise the rent and he would just barge into your house. Unannounced, just barge right on in and make demands of you and threaten you with legal action. If you don't give me more money, I'll sue you. And so you just are used to this. This is the way you have to live. You don't know another way. But then something beautiful happens. Another landlord who, for whatever reason, shines favor upon you. And he comes to you and he says, look, I want to release you from your debt. I'm going to pay off everything that that bully, that you owe that bully. And he pays off everything and he brings you over and you have a brand new house. And instead of being bullied by a guy, now you you actually find yourself wanting to serve with this guy because he's so good to you. He he treats you like a, a human being. And the rent is low, and it's fair. And he's doing wonderful things for you. And when the the water is cold, he fixes your water heater. He's a great guy. Now you're in this new place, and the old landlord comes back over, and he just barges right in. And he says, hey, you owe me more money. Give me more money. And if you don't, I'm going to sue you. And all of it comes back again. go back in your, your mind and you think, oh no, it's happening again. And so habitually you just want to fall back into that. Well, if I just pay him, maybe he'll leave and it'll be over. But then you look over and you see a copy of your new lease. You say, wait a second. He's not my landlord anymore. I've paid my debt. I don't owe him anything. And so you get up from the table, and you go up to him, and you're trembling, and you tell him, get out of my house. I don't owe you anything. Your debt has been paid. My debt has been paid to you. Leave. This is the way it is with us in our lives. This is the way it is with us as a Christian life. That There was a bully landlord of sin. And this bully likes to barge back into our lives and demand something. But guess what? You have the authority in Christ Jesus to kick him out and say, this is not your house. This house belongs to the Lord. I belong to him. I no longer answer to you. I've been resurrected to a new life. Resisting temptation is not about pretending that it's not there. That bully comes back into your life. But resisting temptation is knowing who you are. That you've been given a new lease in life. 
that you have been bought by the blood of Christ. And understanding who you are in Christ and in acting upon that truth will cause you to live in a newness of life. Is that good news or what? You have been baptized into death, dear Christian. Your debt has been paid and you have already been raised to walk in a newness of life. Don't you let the enemy come in and try to drag you back to a a life of slavery to sin. He has not the power to do it. He's just a barker and a biter. The power belongs to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we praise you that you have delivered us, that we have been baptized into death and we have been resurrected to a new life. And Father, I pray your hand of of power over all of us right now, that we would become so encouraged and, and clear on who we truly are in Christ. And that when Satan comes back and tries to drag us into a life of slavery, that we would stand up to him, maybe even rightfully trembling, because he is stronger than we are. But Father, we're not alone anymore, are we? You have brought us into your family. You have brought us into a powerful union with Christ. And we have died to the old self. And he no longer exists. And we have been raised new with you. We praise you and we ask God that you would use us for great things so that we would see your kingdom come and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that challenge, Daniel. The beauty of the gospel is that it calls us to respond. It's not just a lecture and then, "Mm, good word, let's go home. But God actually invites us to come before him with humility, lay our cares, our burdens down, and respond to the message that we've just heard. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song, and that is your opportunity to respond. We have pads up here where you can kneel in prayer. I'll be standing up here. Lindsay will be standing to this side. You can come and pray with one of us. If there's a sin particularly hanging on your mind right now that is bullying you, barging in at all hours of the night, as soon as you let your guard down, it's back. We would love to pray with you to remind you that you are forgiven that through the faith that you have in Christ Jesus, grace abounds. So as we stand and as we sing, I invite you to respond how God has called you, to lay down those sins that are hovering over you, which are dead and gone. The death knell has rung. So let's stand and let's sing. And I invite you to respond as God has called you tonight.